Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story to you and you listen to it. We're still reading the erotic epic, which is Lesbian Slave Island, and we're halfway through a two-part chapter. This chapter was such a whopper, I had to split it up into two episodes. As usual in a two-parter episode, I do know what's going to happen, because I'm recording this intro after having just read the second part. But I won't give anything away, I promise. I'm going to be very considerate. Just to briefly recap, the five women who are now involved in this scenario... We've got Lisa, the slave, Helen, Lisa's girlfriend. We've got Sasa, Lisa's girlfriend, Helen's younger sister. And then we've got the other group who have recently joined, and they are Gabriella, the housekeeper, Gloria, Gabriella's daughter, and Stefania, Gabriella's daughter Gloria's younger friend, are on the island. They got together for a bit of breakfast. I guess it was, or maybe it was lunch, some kind of refreshment at any rate, that was prepared in the kitchen by Gabriella and Lisa. And while they were in the kitchen, there was a bit of a tense moment between them, very sexual, and it seems like there's a real desire for some one-on-one time. We went outside to join the other three and launched straight into some contractual discussions. Exciting. And hopefully we've got all of the admin out of the way now, and we can get into something a little bit more sexual. I mean, usually an erotic story is heavy on the sex, quite light on the other narrative elements. Not this story. This is the exact reverse. And we've had a lot of build-up, a lot of narrative development, without actually experiencing that much sex. And so, join me now for part two of chapter 13 of Lesbian Slave Island to find out if that built-up tension is now to be released at long last. Wow, said Gabriella, and Stefania nodded in agreement. Stefania asked me to tell them what fantasy I was thinking of now. I smiled embarrassed and said, Oh no, oh that's embarrassing, oh. I rushed, telling myself not to think too much, just get the humiliation of revealing my perverted weird fantasies over with. So that's what I said out loud. This is hard, humiliating, I might as well just blurt it out anyway, please don't say I'm weird. Several of them said, of course not, and Sasa emphasised I'm not allowed to hold back any thought or emotion. I'm supposed to be uninhibited because of the situation and because I'm owned and the contract specifies I must. That strangely gave me a feeling of having an out, of feeling totally embarrassed, because I was forced to because we have these rules. Well, mistresses, among other thoughts, it crossed your slave's mind that a first ritual would be to kiss everyone's feet or shoes, to start showing everyone, including me, the situation. I couldn't help but blush deeply and look down. Sasa seized the opportunity to ask for those other thoughts I mentioned, and telling the newcomers that they will soon be sharing fantasies of using me. Oh, I moaned softly in humiliation. Yes, my owner. Somehow, though I was already accustomed to calling her my owner, I was deeply humiliated to do so in front of the newcomers. I glanced at Stefania, feeling that the youngest might be the most weirded out, but her eyes were shining with enthusiasm. I felt their gazes burning on my face and naked breasts, exposed above the table, but kept my arms at my sides. 
I glanced at the gear in Sasser's hands and first mentioned the pony slave training. Then I glanced at Gabriella as I described the simple eroticism of being hand-fed and given food and water in bowls on the floor and not being allowed to use my hands while eating, and while they were all sitting around and talking, I would be the only one bound, naked and kneeling, perhaps my hair or body caressed occasionally. That actually brought on another thought, and even though it was a new one, I blurted it out. Other times, I'd be on a phallic vertical bar, not being allowed to orgasm, but often made to come close to orgasm, my juices streaming down the bar, and I going crazy with lust and begging to orgasm, but none of you letting me, enjoying seeing such a display by your sex-crazed slave. Helen and Sasser smiled, pleased, and the newcomers raised their eyebrows. Stefania dropped her jaw. I was embarrassed, so I continued nervously quickly. Another thought is each person gets alone time with me, to enjoy me as each wishes, but also for us to get to know one another. I guess each mistress must show me in some way she wants that she is to be obeyed, and I am a sex slave, and she is not, or my fantasy would not be lived out as I dreamed. One way is for you all to be wearing clothes while I am not. That's always effective, but of course, that's just the baseline. Much more is needed. I cursed myself silently for using the word much before more is needed. Mistress, I will surely come up with more ideas, but some ideas are in the manual. I glanced at the youngest two in humiliation as I steeled myself to say, Your slave property hopes she has pleased you with these ideas. I must have subconsciously imagined they would laugh at me or look at me strangely, but judging from their expressions, they all seemed to like what I said. Gabriella looked at the others and observed, Every one of us seems fascinated and turned on by you, Lisa. How are you going to handle so many wanting sex with you? Her daughter looked at her sharply, perhaps because her mother was too impolitely direct, or perhaps simply because parents embarrass their children. Helen answered for me. First, please don't use the slave's name, at least not officially. This is a sexy slave. It enhances the experience and emphasises the reality when we address her as a slave, or property, or something like that. But you can use Lisa, or even come up with something else. You can name farm animals, or dogs and cats, or cars or tractors, so why not this property? Second, my sex slave not only wants this, she has a strong sex drive, and we allow for very, very few orgasms to keep her in lust. Sasa added, yes, as the slave owner's manual states, keep your sex slave in a state of sex-crazed animalistic lust. Wow, marvelled Stefania, so she's not allowed to come? only on special occasions, or sometimes she gets so far gone she orgasms from the slightest touch. We next want to see her orgasm without even being touched, but from a combination of pent-up passion and a situation, like being whipped or erotically humiliated in some way. They all looked at me, each wondering or marvelling. Gloria asked me, You really wrote that in the manual? The manual they use on you? I smiled in an embarrassed way, heat in my face, surely turning my cheeks red. Yes, mistress. I felt self-consciously embarrassed to call this newly met peer mistress, and I wondered at my slight internal resistance to doing so. In that instance, I not only knew I thought that, but also concluded that I realised I was submitting to her as I addressed her so. That is the experience of a sex slave, and not having too many orgasms helps me serve in a heightened state. Also, I paused, not really wanting to admit another part of my fantasy that makes me hot. My pause must have been long enough, though, because Sasser firmly said, 
Go ahead, slave, you must keep talking. Yes, my owner, I, your slave, your sex slave, what is also hot and humiliating and appropriate for a sex slave is to be dripping sex juices at all times. Gloria and Stefania's jaws dropped, but Stefania placed her hand on my bare shoulder and her face closer to mine and said, That is hot. Isn't it hard, asked Gabriella, to be denied orgasm when you are overdue, or way overdue? You're being constantly stimulated and aroused. As you said, you are even aroused by simply being the only one naked. Isn't it all you can think about? Yes, exactly. It becomes my primary driver. And yes and no, mistress, it is difficult wanting and craving orgasm, but being denied, it's also really wonderful to be in that sex-crazed state of mind. I forget social norms and problems. Biology takes over my brain, and I feel no anxieties. I have rules as a slave, yet it makes me free to be natural, and I feel so alive. Helen added, Wait until you see her really lust-crazed. Sasa smiled. We will make her beg for orgasm. She's beautiful that way. It's hot. I shot Sasa a look of gratitude for calling me beautiful. Stefania said, I think she's beautiful. I turned to look into Stefania's beaming face. I found myself grinning at these compliments. Then let's have this slave show Stefania first that she has power over the slave. Sasa then humiliated me further in front of my new friends by specifically ordering me to kneel before each of the three, one at a time, addressing each as my mistress, and tell each that I would obey them as if they owned me too, that whatever they wanted, they should order me to do. I felt an incredible sexual arousal along with the humiliation. It was incredible, my sexual fantasy and ultimate dream coming true, but it was a bit hard to do too. That's what can happen when you get what you wish for. And though the thought occurred to me to kiss their feet, or show other ways beside being naked, shaven and bowing, and telling them I'll obey them, I froze for a moment in utter humiliation as Helen repeated Sasser's order to kiss and lick their feet. The humiliation and sense of being owned was even greater because the usually nicer and kinder Helen was the one jumping in now to order me to go to the next step with these nice ladies. If even Helen would humiliate me, I was in for an erotic humiliation from everyone. My next thought was that Helen knew I craved this, so ordering me to do erotically submissive and humiliating things was a kind of love, I suppose. Or maybe Helen was getting off on my humiliation too. Or all of the above. I adored kissing Stefania's young feet. Okay, we were all rather young according to some, but she was the youngest. It was extra humiliating and therefore extra arousing to submit in such a way to someone younger. My arousal and humiliation reached a new level when Stefania said, while I was bowing naked and licking her feet, that she had seen me with some leather things on my face when they were spying last night. After answering questions from Helen about where and when they spied and what they saw as I continued kissing Stefania's feet, Sasa raised the face harness that she was already holding. That's it, smiled Stefania. That is hot, her wearing that, she added in a softer voice. Helen ordered me to stand, and I did so holding hands behind my back. As they all watched my humiliation as Helen buckled the face harness on, Helen asked Stefania if she could articulate what was arousing for her to see the slave wearing this. Stefania had trouble figuring out exactly why it made her moist, but after some conversation, they agreed it must be because the heat objectified and humbled me and made it clear I was the controlled, powerless sex slave, which in turn implied I could be enjoyed. 
and maybe also the simple biological impulses it caused, and something about the physicality of it. They decided at the end it was simply a natural impulse that we can all act upon, freed of society's constraints here in our fantasy land. Everyone watched in fascination as Sasa strapped on the face harness, leaving the ball gag off. I revelled in being the only one naked, and with an erotic leather harness on my face. Stefania oozed an oh yes. Sasa then put on a pony slave harness. She showed the tail butt plug, and said we will put that in soon, but let the slave now continue to worship the feet of her new mistresses. I turned to Stefania's feet, which were now bare, and this time sucked some of her toes, and then licked up her feet, up and up, past her ankles and shins, to her knees. Helen mentioned it's okay for the sex slave to not always follow the literal exact order if she's being creative and submissive. Sometimes, added Sasa with a wicked grin, we can tell her to stop and direct her, or discipline her if we don't agree with her creativity. That's okay, she mostly likes erotic discipline. Right, slave? I paused in my licking to answer. Yes, my owner, my owners and mistresses may of course do as they please for their enjoyment and pleasure, or to train me. I admit, it's a core part of my fantasy, even as I'm nervous about it. Sasa followed up with a prettily arched brow. I asked whether you mostly like erotic discipline. I quickly responded, Yes, my owner, your sex slave needs and craves it, although I also fear it, and don't want too much, and yet, I do want even too much sometimes. It is your judgment what is best and enjoyable and arousing. I live to arouse my owners and mistresses. I beg you to use me for your arousal and pleasure. What I fear most is not the pain, but not arousing and pleasing you. In fact, the attention of discipline makes me feel sexually desirable, and aroused, and connected with you, and so very alive. I paused to think, then continued, Please discipline, and erotically and ritually torture me, if that is sexually and emotionally arousing to you. Mostly that arouses me, too. I have masturbated explosively while imagining being bound and disciplined and erotically humiliated, though not personally humiliated, only erotically humiliated, as a total and utterly owned and used sex slave to women. Gabriella, Gloria and Stefania were probably stunned, but I didn't look up. I crawled to Gloria and began kissing and licking her feet, which she had also made bare. Helen repeated what she'd said yesterday when I was officially starting as their owned property. When she is treated as a truly owned sex slave, serving as our lust object, forced to demonstrate her submissive status, her property status, her owned status, when she is humiliated and exposed, she loves it. She might be whimpering or crying, or even actually wishing the pain and utter humiliation to end, but overall, she loves it, totally loves it. I have come to know she almost needs it. I looked up at my girlfriend and smiled, and she smiled back. I silently acknowledged she was correct. Gloria asked, How will we know when it's too much? Should we stop if you start crying or screaming? Or do you have a safe word? Her mother looked at her. How do you know about safe words? She asked. Gloria blushed and said softly, Like I mentioned, I saw some things on the internet. Helen and Sasa smiled knowingly at one another. Helen answered that we've worked out a safe sound, rather than a word, in case the slave is gagged when she wants to use it. I blushed, feeling humiliations galore when Helen ordered me to make the sound. I gulped, closed my eyes in shame, and made that high-pitched long cry or wail. Stefania looked at Gloria, and they appeared shocked for a moment, then both laughed, just a little. Stefania looked back at me in mirth, 
I want to make her make that sound a lot. I love it, she said. Talk about humiliating, added Gloria. Helen explained we tried out different sounds with the ball gag in mouth, including grunts. I shot a look of alarm at Helen. How could she mention the grunting? I was definitely feeling truly embarrassed. At least she didn't mention the first idea for a safe sound. Squeals. I was glad they were enjoying themselves, but it was humiliating indeed. But that in turn aroused me, and perhaps the youngsters would be having a lot of fun humiliating and erotically discolouring me together. That thought was both uncomfortable and arousing. Sasser and Helen smiled. I glanced at Helen again with a slightly hurt look that she should smile when I was so humiliated, but she only smiled back at me with a reassuring flutter of her eyes and blew a little kiss. I could not get out of this through her, the top dom. Gabriella said, Now don't drive her too often to the point she uses that safe sound often. That would be too much, wouldn't it? She looked at Helen, Sasser, and then me. I both wanted that thorough usage of me, and also feared it might be too hard. I was the sex slave, so I felt I shouldn't say no or verbally communicate anything. So I looked up towards my owners, Helen and Sasser. Sasser said, Well, she is the sex slave who wanted this. Helen concluded, We'll see as we go. Remember, permanent marks or piercings are forbidden, with exceptions agreed between her and me. Stefania continued smiling, as she thought out loud how far and frequently she could take me to the edge of what I could endure. She talked about this with a twinkle in her eye, enthusiastically. She looked over my nudity, perhaps imagining ways to take me to the edge. Stefania said, I don't understand why, but getting to play with the pretty slave, and tying her up, and making her do things, is incredibly hot to me. Stefania stepped towards me and said to me, I think you're beautiful, that's why I want to do all those things you talked about, and more. So don't worry, your fantasies will be very real. She glanced at the others, as if to check her forwardness. They seemed only charmed and delighted with cute Stefania and her enthusiasm. I had mixed feelings about Stefania's reassurance that my sex slavery would be everything I fantasised about. That's when I knew I would definitely experience even more than I could have imagined and wished. My dream was real. I would be an utterly owned and thoroughly used, blind and disciplined, lesbian sex slave, now for five owners and mistresses. I could already tell that Sasser and Stefania would be hardest on me, while Helen and Gabriella, interestingly slightly older, would likely be the most empathetic and emotionally supporting. I wondered where Gloria would turn out on this spectrum. But even though Helen and Gabriella might be the most emotionally comforting, I already knew that even they would not treat me in any other way than a totally owned, sex-crazed, naked lesbian slave property that I had committed myself to be. To be continued. Well, there we go. That was part two of chapter 13. And I think you know what I'm going to say, because I've said it a lot. But yet another chapter with basically no sex. I mean, there was no sex in there. There was some foot kissing again. More foot kissing. We know Lisa's a big fan of foot kissing. Um, So we had more of that again. And we also had more going over the contractual details and the basic rules, which we know Lisa Bloomin' loves as well. So, in a way, no surprise that we had those two mainstays of this lesbian island experience. 
But yet again, a full chapter with no orgasms for anyone. And I feel like, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm the only one who feels this, but I feel like there's a desperation at this point for some new ground to be broken. We've acknowledged that there's something about clothes, no clothes, disparity that is really up Lisa's alley. She likes that a lot. But even Lisa herself is acknowledging at this point that that is just a baseline. What if it's a baseline, Lisa? Then why are we still talking about it like it's at all exciting for the reader at this point? She's right. Much more is needed. And when are we going to see that? I'm excited to see it. And I feel like surely by this point we should have seen some of it. I feel like the only additional information we got about any sexual activities they might get up to was the reference to the phallic vertical bar, which I have to say is a new concept for me. I hadn't heard of that one before, um, but I can imagine it. It seems like it's a like a very, very long dildo that's wedged up into the vagina, a bit like a pogo stick that you can't get off of, maybe. That's what I'm imagining. But even with that new tidbit of fantasy, it's dismissed in just a couple of sentences. We don't get much on that. And even though we get a bit of tease about her being edged to orgasm and then denied it while on this phallic vertical bar, we don't get to hear about her doing that. It's still just Lisa describing what she'd like to do one day, perhaps. Going back to the the weirdness, I think, inherent in the Gabriella-Gloria relationship, Lisa wonders to herself whether the discomfort she senses within Gloria is just because sometimes parents embarrass their children. I mean, sure, sometimes they do. But usually I think when parents embarrass their children, there's nothing really for the child to be embarrassed about. You know, it's just standard parental embarrassment. It's quite relatable, I think, to most people. And usually it's the kind of thing, you know, teenagers might get embarrassed when they feel that that intimacy of the relationship that they had with their parents as a child conflicts with the more adult, independent persona that they're trying to cultivate amongst their peers as they transition into adulthood. But this is not like that. This is not like that at all. This is very unusual. And I think Gloria's well within her rights to feel embarrassment here. In a way, her mum is openly dishing the dirt on (laughs) her daughter, telling everyone what a sexually inexperienced, frigid little stick in the mud she thinks her daughter is, (laughs) while being really openly sexual herself and rubbing her sexual experience in her daughter's face. (laughs) As if the situation that Gabriella is technically pimping out her daughter, as if that isn't enough for Gloria to feel uncomfortable. But actually, Gloria isn't as naive as her mother thinks she is. Gabriella is surprised that her daughter knows about safe words. And sure, she just saw it on the internet. Gloria isn't as naive as Gabriella thinks she is, perhaps. One thing I wanted to drag up a little bit was just a little bit of concern I've got for Lisa, maybe. One frustration for me, I think, is I get that it's this is a story from Lisa's perspective and her orgasm denial is very much a part of her getting into the slave mindset. That's something that's important for her to be denied, the ability to have orgasms. But I don't understand why nobody else can have orgasms. Surely Helen or Sasser or any of the five women (laughs) who are surrounding Lisa, surely any of them could have had an orgasm by this point without ruining that tension of Lisa having not experienced it. 
I also think it's a little bit concerning maybe that Lisa describes how being a slave makes her feel alive and she's training to become used to this. So it's going to be normalized to some degree. And I wonder what that means for her once the contract ends. Will she be able to go back to normal life after experiencing the extreme highs of sex slavery? If this experience comes to define her measure of what feeling alive is, you know, that's her yardstick for feeling fulfilled and alive, then isn't there a danger that she might spend the rest of her life post-contract in a kind of zombified walking death, just completely numb to everyday stimulus like a burned-out drug addict? It makes me feel like if Helen and Sasser ever decide that they're bored with Lisa and she's turned out loose into the world, she's going to go around seeking out these kind of relationships where there's a big power imbalance. And I get that Sasser and Helen are quite quite safe people to play out this fantasy with, but once Lisa's hooked on it, who knows who she'll accept as a potential master she could be being set up for a future as a victim in serial abusive relationships. I think that's something that perhaps Lisa and I think Helen and Sasser should be wary of, that this isn't consequence free. And I think Helen knows how important this is to Lisa. She knows that it's this isn't a trivial fantasy. As she says, Lisa needs this. She actually needs it. So she's aware that it's this deep desire and it's being cultivated, it's being enhanced. And obviously Helen's the one who knows Lisa the best out of all these people. And sometimes I feel like their communication between each other is just wild. <laughs> you know, it's maybe it's something I'm missing as a man reading this. It feels crazy to me that they're able to express quite complicated things with just very subtle non-verbal signals. And I'm thinking, wow, there's no way that I would pick up on that. You know, like there's a bit where Lisa looks at Helen in a bit of a hurt way. She's a bit annoyed, a bit pissed off that Helen is smiling when she's feeling so humiliated and embarrassed. But then Helen's able to continue smiling, but then communicate reassurance in a way which Lisa feels is actually reassuring. Lisa's actually reassured by this. And all she does is just flutter her eyelashes slightly. I don't know. <laughs> That seems like a very subtle communication. And yet, for these women, it's just like, it just clicks. They just know that that's what that means. Maybe that's something I'm missing out on as a man. Maybe there is this secret layer of communication that all women share that is all subtle, non-verbal signals. But then I also think, probably not. <laughs> not if any of the communications I've had with women are anything to go by. I always feel like you have to be quite direct and upfront if there's something that you need to say, whether they're a man or a woman. Interesting to see Stefania continue to set herself up as Sasser Mark II. As predicted, she's well up for it. And that's kind of where we finish the episode with Stefania really getting into it in a big way. Okay, well, let's look at some of the comments. I think we had two on this chapter. We got a comment from an anonymous commenter who says, wow, this story is so hot. And we have a comment from a returning commenter, a longtime reader and fan of the story, Schlank. They say, I love the way you get inside the mind of the slave and show us what makes her tick. You've captured Lisa's mindset so vividly. 
I feel as if I'm almost experiencing her emotions and living out her fantasies. I feel almost as if I'm Lisa, and I'm really the only person naked and surrounded by respectably clothed, dominant women, who feel free to take advantage of me, objectify me, and sexually abuse me. I think the story does do a good job of getting you in the mindset of Lisa. I think the way that Lisa is denied from having an orgasm is kind of mimicked in the way that the audience is denied any kind of payoff to the build-up. So, I, you know, I think that gives us a, a mirror through which we can experience Lisa's frustration. I don't know if I agree with the last bit of that comment about the sexual abuse. Depends on how you view this story, doesn't it? Do you think that Lisa is being sexually abused? I don't think so. I think it's consensual and she's into it and has asked for it. I think the term sexual abuse has a pretty strong requirement to be unwanted. Anyway, it's good to hear from Schlank again. I hope we keep getting comments from people we know. It's a real shame we haven't heard from Mistress Silver, who I feel like is our champion commenter in the early episodes. So there we go. That's chapter 13, done and dusted. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you're not feeling too frustrated. If you are, you can always click onto literotica.com yourself and have a read of chapter 14, maybe even go all the way to chapter 18 and read the whole thing if you're dying to know what happens in the end. Although, to be honest, I don't know if chapter 18 is really the conclusion of the narrative arc. I think that's just as far as Fit and Trim has got in terms of writing. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like, subscribe, rate it out of... I mean, what is it, out of five or out of ten? Rate it the highest, if you don't mind. That would be great. And until next time, I'll wish you a wonderful week, and I'll see you again for Chapter 14 of Lesbian Slave Island. Goodbye. Wow, marveled Stefania. So she's not allowed to come? <laughs>